everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast brought to you by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and we've got another episode featuring Dave Buring of Lionshare coming at you today. This one's a little different, so let me tell you why. We've got volunteers at these forums every year doing a great job recording our speakers during the track sessions and breakout groups. This file was just one of those sessions where something happened and we only ended up with half of the track session recorded. If you were there live, then you were lucky because the material in just half of this track session was amazing and I can't imagine how awesome the back half was. That's a good reason to go ahead and buy your tickets to attend the 2023 forum in person, by the way. So head on over to our website to do that. Anywho, Dave talks about getting burned out with trying to, I'm using air quotes here, accomplish big things for God when sometimes God is trying to just tell us we need to stop and funnel our energy towards what he is doing, not towards what we want or what we think he wants us to do. I found this episode to be super helpful for me and my ministry, and I hope that it will be the same thing for you. So let's listen into this shorter than normal episode featuring Dave Buring of Lionshare. Enjoy. So Lionshare is the name of the organization that, that we give leadership to, and it's, a, it's an organization that focuses on, we, we walk alongside churches, but equally, we walk alongside people within the vocations. And the idea is, as we pour the things of God into them, then they can turn around and disciple people in their same vocation. And in the end, the ways of God begin to be, be expressed in society in a way that can glorify the Lord. And so one of the things that we often spend time uh, talking about in is within our lion's share culture is the term, the ways of God. And, and when you read the scriptures, you see that term in there a lot. Hey, but the ways of God, when I say that, here's what I mean. How God goes about doing things. Therefore, to walk in his ways, that's how we need to go about doing it. Okay? So, like, if I'm going to be a husband, what's the ways of God of husbandry? Laying down my life for my wife. I mean, are there other things? Of course there are. You know? Um, if we want to be great in God's kingdom, we don't get a website. What do we do? We become servants. That's the ways of God. So let me illustrate this for you. So uh, there's a, a country, you know, living here in Nashville, you walk with creatives. It's just kind of part of if you minister here, it's part of what you do. So one of the ladies that we've walked with over the years, hey, do we have Salvation Army here? Yes, sir. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> look, in, look in the drawers underneath your things. You're going to find a Bible in there. All right. So um, there's an artist who is a, she was a, uh, female vocalist of the year in country music a number of years ago. And, and we were having a conversation and she'd asked for some prayer. And at the end, you know, when I pray, I am fully present with the person, but I'm also trying to listen to the Lord. And, and at the end of the conversation, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, are you first an artist or are you first a follower of Jesus? And she said, I'm first a follower of Jesus. I wasn't surprised by her answer. But we, we ended up in a conversation where she was going to be on a radio tour, and, and we talked about things like, look, you're going to get off the tour bus, people are going to want your autograph, look them kindly in the eyes, because you know you can come back to them. But you had a station manager and an owner of a radio station invite you to come. Go to them, don't assume they know who you are, introduce yourself to them, and then say something like this, while we're here at your station for the next hour, would you please tell us how we can serve you? She said, I'll do it. 
totally changed her life. And, and when you're out, when you're with this country artist, re, the reality is she always honors her band, always honors those that walk with her. Now her kids are getting involved in some music thing and she's coming alongside of them. But it changed her perspective because, do you know, even if you're a quote celebrity in the world, things, the things of God trump that. And, and it's still, you're still a servant. See, and so we, when we walk with the artists, we will talk with them about things like when, when you're on what's called the stage by the world, the, a stage is always all about you. You don't ever get up on a stage. You get up on a platform. And, and every time you step onto that platform, you know who you're there for. And you know what it's about. It's about advancing God's kingdom. And so today, Nancy, my friend Nancy and I want to talk to you about one of the ways of God. And that is what we like to call the pacing of Jesus. And when you're, th you might be going, okay, Dave, are you thinking you mean he's anxious and he's pacing heaven? No, that's not what I mean. I mean about his pace. Like, have you ever noticed Jesus is never in a hurry, but he's always right on time? How different from our world. And so I'm 63, and as I was hitting 40, and I, and I was being a dad, uh, you know, husband, a dad, leader, and different things, and my world started feeling full. And I started to ask the Lord, because I, I saw that Jesus never in a hurry, but always, how do you pace your life in such a way that when you need to give out, the capacity is there to give out, but you're pacing in such a way that you know when it's wise to rest, and you know when it's wise to push, and you know when it's wise to back out and let somebody else do it. You know, all those things. And so what, is that, what I did is I took some time and read through the Gospels with that in mind. And there were five discoveries that I had. And I want to just share these with you over the next few minutes. And then I'm going to invite Nancy to come up and have a conversation. Because there's a piece of what you, I think, will be encouraged to hear that Nancy carries and some of the things she does and some of the insights that she has. So let me just show you show you a couple things here. And so Mel will help us here with the, with the PowerPoint. Um, from the book Crazy Busy. So let me just tee this up real quick. It's easy for us to stay busy with our phones and tablets always within reach. We are afraid of being left out if we slow down. We avoid dealing with life's really big or important issues due to busyness. And we simply do not know how to not be busy. Okay, anybody identify with that? People now sleep two and, like check this one out. <laughs> you wonder why you feel tired. People now sleep two and a half hours fewer, a fewer hour each night compared to 100 years ago. Like just add that up for a month. Like, a, like we're 75 hours behind a month. Like what? <laughs> the average work week is longer now than it was in the 1960s. The average office worker has 36 hours of work piled up on their desk, taking three hours a week to sort to find what we need. We spend eight months of our lives opening junk mail, two years playing phone tag, and five years waiting for people that should be that are late for meetings. Like... Amen on that last one, right? It feels like that, all right? And then from the book Margin by Richard Swenson, we, we use this uh, in a thing we do called a leadership journey. Every January to June, we take a handful of leaders, and it's usually a dozen to 15 or 16. Several on our team here have helped with that and have gone through it. But it's a six-month discipling thing from January to June where we help leaders walk in the ways of God. And we begin with a weekend, we do two retreats here in Nashville, the rest can be done wherever you live. But we start with, if you were the devil, how would you take you out? Mm -hmm. 
And we have people pause to answer that question about themselves. Because the enemy knows where you're vulnerable. And if you don't, you're in trouble. And so it's being honest with where you're vulnerable, where you need to muscle up, where God wants to strengthen you. Well, this can be one of those areas. Just we are so scattered, we are so busy, we don't have the ability to have a reservoir when we really need it. And, you know, it's like probably the best thing we could do in this session is ask Darren just to turn the lights out. We all just take a nap. I don't think, I don't think anybody would go, no, I have a check about that. I'm here. You know, we'd all go, really? I get to have a nap? That's why, that's why we got this room, because it's soft on your, you know, your tush here. In the, you know, right? So check this out. We are overloaded. This is from the book Margin. With activities, change, choices, commitments, competition, debt, decisions, education, expectations, and entitlements, fatigue, hurry, information, media, ministry, noise, people, pollution, possessions, problems, technology, traffic, waste, and work. The conditions of modern day living devour margin. Marginlessness is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you are 20 minutes late getting out of the grocery store, because you are 10 minutes late dropping the kids off at school, because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station and you forgot your purse in the rush to get out the door. If we were equipped with a flashing light to indicate 100% full, we could better gauge our capacities, but we don't have such an indicator light and we don't know what we are, that we are overextended until we feel the pain. It is rare to see a life pre-scheduled to only 80% leaving a margin for responding to the unexpected that God sends our way. Margin is defined this way by Richard Swenson. It is the space between our load and our limits. It is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. Mm. Like, right, we, we all can identify with. This is all, we, we try to do this one, if not every form, every other form, and it's always one of the ones people come to because I think we all identify. We've got to figure this out. Because again, Jesus didn't minister out of exhaustion. And there's a pacing of life that we need to find. Cheryl and I, uh, my, this wave, honey, this might, well, you probably all saw her. So Cheryl, Cheryl and I, we get away a couple times a year, and sometimes we just have to do it in our home because life is happening, or sometimes we have to tie it into a vacation, do it in a couple nights. But we do prayer retreats where we seek the Lord about our schedule for the, for the year. So we know what to say yes to. We know what to say no to. We know what needs to be faded out of our life. We know what needs to be added to. And it's one of the key components of our journey. And even when our kids were little and if we were on vacation, Cheryl might, we might bring extra videos and feed them some fun food. And they, they knew, hey, you guys just take a couple hours. We'll have a break and gather again, but then we'll take a Because mom and I just need to spend some time asking the Lord about stuff. And we'd ask about our kids. You know, each year there wasn't the assumption that our kids should be in the same school. So we'd say, Lord, is this, is, is this where you want our to I mean, the leaning was the same, but Lord, is there anything you want to say? And there were a couple times the Lord showed us, I want them here. And now when my friend or my son Ryan's best friend, Jesse, they met in high school because we sought the Lord of where Ryan was to go. And Ryan's 38, so he graduated 20 years ago. So you do, and, and so there's, there's the assumptions. Like when we live this way, oftentimes there's assumptions we live our lives with without seeking the Lord. 
And Jesus is interested in everything, yes. right? And, and, and can I be honest? We, we use a phrase a lot in lion's share. What God initiates, he permeates. What I initiate, I have to sustain. How much, not only in our personal lives, but our ministries and what we do, we never prayed about it. We never sought the Lord. And can I just tell you a secret about this? I can't find in the Bible anywhere where someone initiates and God blesses it. It only happens when he initiates and we follow. How much inertia have we created that we're trying to sustain that I think if we could hear the voice of God and his love for us, he would say, son, daughter, I love you. And because I love you, you think it's the enemy that is hindering this? It's not. It's me because I'm trying to crush it so you can get on what I'm asking you to do. Is that not an eye opener? Maybe we just need to close in prayer on that one today. All right. Because it's like I, I, I ask pastors, have you prayed about you guys doing this in your church? Well, no, we just thought it was penalty flag. And you're wondering why you're so exhausted. You're trying. Remember what God initiates, he permeates with his presence, his life, his leadership is. But what I initiate, I'm the one sustaining it, (laughs) trying to breathe life into something. And sometimes we need to let God cause that thing to die because I'm the one that created it. The breath of God was not on it. Are you tracking with me? Guys, if you can just, if that could be one of your takeaways today, that could be huge. So you can begin to run everything you do through the grid of, have we sought the Lord about this? Like Cheryl and I have this accountability, our lion's share team, Darren's walked with us a long time. We have an accountability as a team that any one of them can ask me or I can ask them, have you asked the Lord about this? It's built in. Because if we can't go, because the phrase I'll often use, is the breath of God on this? Like, is God the one through him saying he wants us to do it with his breath or him just breathing life on it? If not, guys, I'm running around sustaining something born of the flesh, not the spirit. And you wonder why we're exhausted. We are often carrying things that God never asked us to do or carry. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. So let me show you these five things and I want to get Nance up here. So Jesus, never in a hurry, never anxious, never needing to be needed or feeling important, yet always right on time. Someone said to me, but his pace of life was not like ours. True. However, he had to walk six miles each way often for meetings. 
So you had to build time in. You had to secure what you were going to eat that day. He didn't just run down to Kroger. Okay. He had to run to the river to wash his clothes so they had time to dry before his next ministry stop. And communication was not through text, email, phone, or snail mail. Okay. So he had his own issues that would have caused, you know, the rumbles here of being busy. So let me give you five things. I'm just going to do these really quick. All right. Five things here that I learned from the life of Jesus of how he paced himself. Okay. So the first one, look at here with me at John 13, one to five. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, check this out, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Here's pacing point one. Jesus was secure in who he was, where he came from and where he was going so he could serve others. In other words, his ident- in the things he was doing, he was not trying to glean identity so he could just give his life away. So often the things that we do are about trying to gain value, trying to gain worth, trying to gain identity. Because Jesus knew where he had come from and where he was going, that God had given all things, that he was secure in who he was. And, and I like what Cheryl has said to me over the years. One time she was praying about a situation she was in, just feeling a little insecure with a relational situation that was there. And she was talking to the Lord about it. And the Lord said to her, I want you to not only be secure in who you are, I want you to be secure in who you're not. Mm-hmm. See that, honey? Look at that. We all identify with that. Being like, we got to learn to be secure in who we're not. Like, like you guys, I'm not good at, um, like Cheryl asked me one day when, you know, the car wasn't working. She said, do you ever feel embarrassed that you don't know how to deal with all this stuff under the hood of a car? And I said, no, I don't. It's like, I had to make choices. Like, where does my time go? And that was just not, that's not a natural aptitude. I'm grateful for Jiffy Loop, right? And my mechanic, I'm very grateful for them. One time we had uh, Andrea over to our house. I don't remember what she was there for, but we were talking. And when she left, she knocked on the door about a minute later. I said, Hey, what's up? She said, Hey, my car's not starting. Can you come look at it? So I go out and I pop the hood and I, and I literally am going like this. And I'm just looking at it. And she's got this smile. She says, you don't know what you're looking for. You didn't ask me to fix it. You said, could I come look at it? <laughs> so and Andrea and I have that kind of, so we had a big laugh. And I said, we'll call somebody and get the thing fixed. You know, but we, ha- we have to learn to be secure in who we are, but also in who we're not. Okay. Let me show you a second verse here. John 5. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So if the first pacing point deals with kind of our identity, who we are, who we're not, and being secure in that, do you see how you could chase life to meet your own value? So you got, we, that's where we got to learn identity in Christ. Look at the second one. It's more about, you know, how Jesus walked. Here's the pacing point. Jesus did only what he saw his father doing. 
Let me ask you that question. Are you only doing what you're seeing God doing? Or are you, again, this goes back to what God initiates, he permeates. What I initiate, I have to sustain. How much of what you're doing, God has not breathed life on? Yeah, but I want him to. I know. But the, the end is still the same. It's like we are, like the thing Jesus did is like he was following his father's lead. So eyes up, focusing on the father. What's the father doing here? Like, for example, when you're in a ministry time, you know, for me, when, when all of a sudden there's stuff happening, God's breaking out and people are, whether in tears or something, and, and you weren't expecting that. You might be in a worship time, but all of a sudden, right away, it's kind of like my old center field days, Barry. You know, sticking my hand up like this, licking my finger to see where the wind's going. So I know, okay, if I have a step this way or this way, I kind of know where the wind's going to. And sometimes I have to do that spiritually. Okay, God, what are you doing in this moment? Henry Blackaby uses the line, you know, of look where God is working and join him in it. So do we do that? So in that ministry time, it might mean I got to take my message and just go like this and say, you know what? Let's keep worshiping. And if you guys need prayer, why don't you come up here and we're going to have the prayer team pray. Because you, you, in other words, is there anything that's so sacred, cowish to us that we can't lay it down for what God is doing? Mm. See, because and especially with this emerging generation of teenagers and twenties and thirties and some things, if we're going to show them how to follow and walk in the ways of God, we've got to be willing to lay things down and go with what God's doing in that moment. We have to. Yeah, but it makes me insecure. I know. Go back to. Point one. See, see, that's why this is important because all of a sudden God tosses you out into things sometimes and all of a sudden I'm really insecure. I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. Join the club, right? We're all there. But it's recognizing, okay, Jesus, what are you doing here? Do you see all the time that can be wasted of trying to pump yourself up? I can do this. I can do, you know, it's like, just go to God. Show me who I am in Christ. Show me how much you love me. That I don't have to do social media out the wazoo so I live on how many likes I have. Guys, we've got to get beyond that. We've got to get beyond that. If that is our measure of our identity, we're in deep doo-doo. We've got to ask Jesus to do a work in us. Okay, Jesus only saw what, he, only saw what the Father was doing and he did that. That's good for the pacing of our lives. What is God asking of you and are you doing that? That was a fantastic episode, in my opinion. I hope that you enjoyed it. One thing that Dave said that really stuck out to me was he was talking about us showing the next generation how to trust and follow Jesus. He said, we got to be willing to lay things down and go with what God is doing in that moment rather than continuing to try to push our agendas and the things that we think God is wanting us to do. That's really, really important and really helpful for me. Hey, up next, we've got another Lion's Share episode. I think it's a full-length one, so make sure you click subscribe to know when I release that episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. See ya. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. 
It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community. For disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today.